Hey guys, and welcome to the Coffee and Turner Syndrome podcast. My name is Brooke. Pour yourself your favorite cup of coffee, and let's hop into today's episode. Hi guys, welcome back. I have an update for you today. I wanted to give you guys kind of a final update and final thoughts on working with the naturopath that I talked to. In the middle of last year, I talked to a naturopath. I reached out and touched base on what she thought of being able to help me with my hormones um, and kind of get it, got her thoughts on what I was currently on or am currently on. And how I left things with her was I was gonna get blood work done and we were gonna go from there based off of what the numbers were and what those showed. The morning I got my blood drawn was the same day I evacuated for the wildfires. And then time kind of just got away from me after that. So I just like two weeks ago reached back out and I had to double check that it wasn't too far past when I got them done now that she wouldn't want more current ones. She said to kind of just send her what I had and she would gauge off of what she saw if she thought I needed to retake stuff. And then we talked for a few minutes about what my levels showed, about everything. And there were a couple of really key things for me that I took away from the conversation. The first being I still need to check my progesterone levels <laughs> because I did not realize or even think about that not being something I saw on the list. And definitely for me, it's something I need to check and make sure is doing good. It's something that I for sure wanna make sure of. And I don't know how I missed that. And so I'll have to do that. <laughs> I'll have to check on that level too. But she had some good insight on everything else. So for my estrogen, she did think I needed more, but I got the levels done at a time I was not consistent. And for that reason, I kind of wanna see what they are when I'm consistent. Um, so I'm pausing on being super concerned about that right now, um, especially because of this next part, which is her reason for thinking that was my FSH level. So, this was the now third time I've had my FSH level taken. If you don't remember what that is, it's follicle stimulating hormone. It's the hormone that your brain sends to your ovaries to ovulate. And the higher that number is, the less ovarian response you're having, hence no ovarian function. Um, it's how I was diagnosed. I have tons of videos talking about that, but in a nutshell, that's what that is. And she said she thought my FSH would be lower if I was getting enough estrogen, was her thoughts. So I definitely want to see what both of those, my estrogen and my FSH level look like after being consistent for a while. Not only do I just need to be consistent, but that'll be interesting to see how that impacts those numbers as well. And I did also ask her about a trend I've been seeing with my FSH numbers. So when I was first diagnosed with premature ovarian failure in 2016, my level was 50.1. And if you remember in that video, the 
kind of category of numbers that I was given was zero to 10 was good, was normal. 10 to 20 was okay. 20 to 30 was still okay, but would be difficult. And anything above 30 was considered menopausal. And I was at 50. So <laughs> in 2018, I did a hormone panel. I asked to have a hormone panel done and that was one of the ones that was taken and it was at 41.7. So lower than it had been. And at first, when I first saw that, I was like, what, what does that mean? And then I Googled and figured out that it's actually very normal for your FSH level to fluctuate a little bit during your cycle. So I thought, okay, that's probably not, you know, like, that's enough that I, I'm comfortable with it being a fluctuation. Like that, that makes sense. So I, I can get, I can understand that. I can see that. And that's kind of what I chalked it up to. And then August of last year, when I had the blood work, it was 34.8, 34.8. And when I talked to the naturopath about that, she said, if I could get that 23 or below, that would be good. And that's a big enough fluctuation that I don't think it's a normal amount of fluctuation for there to not be a reason and it to not be a good sign. It's going in the right direction, right? And so I, I talked with her also along with that about the potential for me ovulating. Um, the reproductive endocrinologist I talked to very much was it's not worth the time or money or effort to try. It would it would take too much and and so it's not really worth what you would have to put into it to try. And this kind of made me feel like maybe that's not the case. Like maybe if my estrogen levels were good, there'd be more of a chance there. This might be a little TMI, but also because I've had in the past, signs of having ovulated before, not consistently, not in a long time, but I have in the past had signs of potentially I maybe did. She kind of agreed if I have before, I could probably, probably, maybe have the potential to again. There's still some tests that we would want done. And she did kind of say, if you're looking to go that direction, I would recommend somebody more specialized in fertility. She she said she'd done that before, but not in a long time. And so she would recommend I go to a specialist in that if that was what I was wanting to do. We are in no way trying, we're not planning to try, but it was very helpful to me in a lot of ways to understand things to this level and have this information. I have always been a big advocate for it, even if you don't use it, <laughs> even if it's just you in your head are able to piece the parts together because of it so you understand what's going on, then even that is worth finding out this information and getting these levels done and finding out what's personally going on with you. Now, I also, after getting off the phone with her, had some thoughts about how I kind of felt for trying with my own eggs, if I were to be able to ovulate. It's a tricky question. At first, I was over the moon about the idea. Absolutely ecstatic. And 
just even ecstatic to have that be something that could be a part of the conversation again because it felt like that door was closed, locked, and the key was thrown away when I was diagnosed. And it felt good to be told, well, no, there's things we could try. There's no guarantee, but there things, there's things we could try. And that it's not as black and white of an issue, especially in the context of my situation personally. So this is something you have to see what is happening for you personally. And I get nervous to share these things just because I don't want to give grand ideas of what's possible. I don't want to, I don't want to disrupt any potential process you might be in for navigating all of the emotions that come with the infertility. I, I don't want to disrupt that. I don't want to give you any false hopes. I don't want to set you up to have this be harder than it is. I just simply am sharing my story and what I have gotten for information. And that's why I started documenting this in the first place because I wanted to document it. I wanted to share it. And I think if it can contribute some little piece to the puzzle, then that's a good thing. So that was my initial reaction was I was really excited. Oh my gosh. So there is something we could try, like not it's guaranteed, but it's also not something we couldn't try. And that certainly would end up being less than the $40,000 for IVF with egg donation. That would be amazing as just to know it was an option. And then I kind of started thinking about what using my own eggs would look like and mean. And then I got a little nervous. I, I had to have like some processing time to think about how I felt about that because there is a very real, not insignificant likelihood that if I were to get pregnant with my own eggs, and it was a girl, she would also have Turner syndrome. Because while it is not inherited, it is a genetic condition. And because of the reality of what my genetics would be able to give her, there's just a very high likelihood that that could happen. And in fact, in the Facebook group I'm in, there are stories of women with Turners that have gotten pregnant with their own eggs that have had daughters with Turner syndrome as well. So it's, it's not something to not think about. It's a very serious consideration you have to make because that is a part of it that you have to look at. So at this point, I'm not totally convinced that's an option I would want to take, even if it were to be that. Not because I would not be okay with having a daughter with Turner syndrome, obviously, but there are serious health concerns and health risks that would be a part of that. That if we don't have to take that risk for her and give her the best chance possible of being as healthy as she can be, of course I'm going to choose that option. Now, this is not to say you might not make a different choice with this information. That is not to say your situation might not be different. And there's no guarantee of what would happen. We, we could have the situation where actually we wouldn't have a daughter with Turner syndrome happen 
and we could have a daughter and her not have that. But there's enough of a decent chance that you do want to take that in con into consideration. So those are kind of my final thoughts. Um, I am working on being consistent with my medicine and there's an update I could give on that too. Um, just to kind of let you guys in on how my experience has gone with switching to the patch and pill, progesterone pill, um, and differences I've noticed, things that I feel like might be shifting after switching from a generic birth control. So that's a whole other topic, but I really wanted to kind of wrap this up. The tests that I think I would do to finish out my complete picture of everything would be an internal ultrasound to see what my ovaries look like because I don't even know what they look like and that would be good information for a lot of different reasons <laughs> and get my progesterone levels. I still can't believe I missed that that wasn't on the list. Anyways, so those would be the two things that at some point I will probably do just for my own information. As far as trying to get pregnant, that is not something we're talking about anytime soon. Um, I do think what prompted me to try to finish this was turning 30, if I'm honest. That kind of, that kind of rocked my world a little bit in the, the potential for getting pregnant part. Because regardless of how, whether it was with my own eggs or not, you know. I, it just made me think about that. So that's not something we're looking at right now. Certainly I'm feeling different than I expected to um, about the whole using my own eggs to get pregnant. I anticipated that confidence in it lasting a lot longer. I anticipated that being how I would feel overall. And I'm not really feeling that as much anymore. Um, just in putting everything into context. So it does feel good to know all of this. And I think for me, health-wise, I am super excited that all of the work I've done on getting on the right hormones is showing in my results. It's showing in my FSH levels. And that feels really good and is confirmation that I'm going in the right direction. Whether or not we will still at some point potentially do embryo adoption or IVF with egg donation if we ever had the money, I can't fully say yet. I, I don't know. Um, because there's also the aspect of we're very focused on foster care and adoption right now. And while that's been a waiting game, we've gotten good at the waiting game. <laughs> so that's kind of where we're at right now is this didn't change things, but it's good information. And I hope sharing this didn't deter you or scare you or discourage you at all. I hope it just empowers you to really push for the information you need and want for what is going on with you. And while this is what was going on for me, this is my situation, you need to find out what yours is if these are questions you're wanting answered. And that means talking to your doctor, doing the, the tests yourself, because your situation could be very different from mine in a lot of different ways. I, I hope that was a cohesive, like, wrap up of everything. 
Um, at this moment, I feel really good with what I'm on, so I'm not going to be continuing with the naturopath. I also really love the endo I'm with right now. She's really amazing. And so I think for now, I'm going to continue to work with her. And I think the naturopath and talking to the naturopath was very helpful in a lot of ways, and it was worth it. And I'm really glad I did it. <sighs> That's how I'm feeling. So I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it was helpful. And I'll see you guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Coffee and Turner Syndrome. If you would like to support the podcast, I do have listener support set up on Anchor. And if you'd like to leave me a voice message, I would love to hear from you. Don't forget, you can find the video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brooktv. Make sure you're subscribed so you see when the next one comes out. And I will see you guys in the next episode.